Blog Talk Radio. There is no earthly way of knowing. <laughs> Good man, Lord of Time. Which direction we are going? Narrative Camino. It would have been DWI.
you wouldn't have really known if you didn't know Georgia wrestling. And I think he has done the most with the opportunity from zero to 60. I think Alan Angels is the one who's getting to have the most competitive matches against the more high-profile AEW people. When you're wrestling Sammy Guevara and you're wrestling Kenny Omega, it really doesn't get bigger than that, does it? I mean, like, Shug D definitely had his match with Jericho, but let's be honest about it. It was, a, it was the very definition of a squash. He took one yeah. move and he was done, right? But he right. made a great showing. But the person I would actually put third on that list for a very different reason is Danny Jordan in that I think if Danny Jordan puts a critical eye to her appearances that she's made for AEW, she, I think, can make the biggest adjustments to put herself in a position to get a contracted job. I think Danny Jordan, if she will adjust her style of wrestling and sharpen up her presentation, could actually get a gig. It's much more conceivable, I think, than it is for most of the guys, actually. Well, and I'd, I'd agree with you on that. When you look at the depth chart, uh, not too strong on the women's side. Yeah. Um, you know, Chris Statlander got on there pretty pretty fast. They they certainly picked up on her when they saw how talented she was. Um, and, yeah, I would agree with you on that. Um, you know, to, to me, it's um, personality-wise is where um, Dean and uh, Angels yeah. need to come on a little stronger. They both have wrestled very well. And, and of course, Dean has gotten some pretty pro- hope. <laughs> high-profile stuff with Phoenix and Cabana, he's done very, very well for himself. Um, but I don't know that they yeah, distinguished in them, themselves in, in, in character enough to, to make headway there. I would agree. Um, Sean Dean did do one thing that I thought was amazing, which was, I mean, when he hit that spot on Phoenix where he went from the inside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Out, I, I, and, I mean, he, he almost jumped out of Bob. Jacksonville, Larry. Like, he went far. And you know what? He's the first one of the enhancement indie people that has gotten a replay for a spot that they've done. It was really right. something. Um, Alan right. Angels, to me, he had his best moment was against Kenny Omega when he did the thing where he left the like part of the apron in the ring, and then when Kenny Omega walked on top of it, he yanked the apron out from under his feet. And, again, it's mm-hmm. one of those things that happened that caught my eye. But, again, a lot of these guys, I think, are focused on the, like, bell-to-bell, nuts and bolts. If I was him, I would have taken that moment. And, one, I would have gotten the ring quicker and beat up Kenny Omega. What's the point of doing that spot if you're not going to follow it? But I would have made that part of my shtick, which is I'll find a way to use this ring to beat you. And uh, yeah. something, yeah. again, to set yourself apart. That's the name of the game. I saw Sean Dean getting more and more comfortable as time went Definitely. on with his various opponents, which I think is great. Alan Angels, I think, got the most high-profile stuff and showed that he could work in the ring, so that was good. Danny Jordan held her own as far as the ring stuff goes. The last thing I saw was her really trying to push that burn book, but because it was on a flimsy plastic folder, it kept falling down. And it's just one of those things where it's like, it's great that you're pushing that thing. Let's make it so it stands up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you, yeah, yeah. You don't get a, you're not going to get many chances. You want to make sure all your ducks are in a row. But, it, again, it's just so great to see all these guys and women 
making it happen. And, and while Suge D's was a you know a squash match, I think he got about the most you could out of Pineapple Pete. And, 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 yeah. Uh, you know, for what it was, I thought he's done very well with it. And I mean, as we as we got an indication of last night on Dynamite, things can change in a hurry. So the, the here's the the body tally from Dynamite last night, Larry. Uh, Britt Baker's probably out. What right? do you know the nature so, of the injury? Oh yeah. So she's in a tag match. Her partner's Nyla Rose. And the other team picks up and does a burning hammer or like a Death Valley driver thing to Nyla Rose into the corner where Britt Baker is. So right, I'm at, right. I, yeah. that spot's already crazy, but it's because she Nyla Rose landed full on on Britt Baker's knee. So they don't know oh. for sure, but it doesn't look good. And, oh, uh, damn. And, that happened. And boy, she come Phoenix, on strong. Yeah. And then Phoenix missed that splash or, you know, that, that move to the outside where there were four guys there to catch him, but he went straight up and straight down and just yeah, landed ugly. flush on the floor. It was ugly. And then one of the young bucks, I believe Matt, um, when they did those dives to the football field, um, he, he hurt his ribs as well, so he's getting checked out. Just a real tough night as far as injuries went. But otherwise, a show that I thought really flowed well and is one of the best go-home shows that we've seen from either major company in a while. I'd agree with that, and I know you've got a um, video up uh, yeah. on the AEW show, but um, and so I don't know you know, your overall thoughts, but a couple that I had, I mean, I'm, the, the, the Adam Page sprinting clothesline was tremendous. That, I, I yeah. love that. I, that, that. What, what better way to bring him in? And then, you know, the, the little allusion to the story of Okay, here's the four baby faces standing triumphant, and Adam Page is not with them. Yeah. And the commentators noted it, kind of put that bug in your ear. I thought the Jake and Arn thing um, probably went much better than expected, honestly. Um, you know, I, and, uh, I, uh, I was a little disappointed I it, in it. I I don't know what I expected, but I just thought I don't know. I thought I I expected a little something more. A little I more wish Jake didn't what, step all over Arn. I think that's the yeah. moment that threw it all off when Jake just went into business for himself and tried to make it about him and Arn and Arn had to bring it back to being like, no, this is about Lance Archer and blah. Then we can do our thing. I think that's the thing that threw it completely off. If Jake had just let Arn say his piece, I think it would have been fantastic. Again, once it got a little off track, I guess that's the danger, right? They're not scripting these promos out, which is one of the things that makes them so awesome. But the flip is you really have to work in sync with one another or especially in a promo versus promo thing or else things just get muddy and lost. Yeah. And, and that got a little of that definitely gosh. happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other thing I would, that I would note about the show is that uh, I really enjoy their, their presentation in this environment and the way they're, uh, sort of the fast and loose spontaneous nature of the, of the way that show flows. But some of the in-ring, boy, it looks pretty indie-ish. There, there was a number of things. I was going to say, I mean, that was, that, that was my constant note was sometimes the spot looked like really rough and yeah. um, really yeah. floppy. Um, even on AEW Dark, I noted that, I mean, if I, if I was watching this for the first time, I would hate Private Party. 
I would just go like, oh, God. You know, it's, it's, it's way too much. Um, stuff that doesn't seem like it works together, just a string of things. And once one thing collapses and doesn't go right, it tends to hurt the five things after it, which is a very much an indication of indie style of wrestling, which is yeah. we've got this house of cards that we're building that we won't deviate from no matter what. And when something isn't working, it just exacerbates the problem. Hey, I don't mind guys working fast if they can work if they can be smooth. But private party party gets ragged in there sometimes. Uh, and there's some of the, yeah, you know they do, they do such innovative stuff, if, uh, which I love. But man, some of it gets really ragged looking. Um, and the other thing I would say, you, you can't just. I mean, and I know the temptation for some people listening is going to be, oh, I put that on the um, enhancement guys. They're wrestling. Mike Reed in particular is fantastic and so if you're if mike reed's having a tough time making you get your stuff over then then the problem is you <laughs> like my the, there's a reason mike reed is there because he's like he's a consummate pro and he's not going to get lost so when that stuff fell apart i just went that's just private party rushing i mean it was very clear you know so but you know a, a couple a, other i mean yes please no, no. A couple other things. One, as I don't, maybe you can explain. I don't get this Luther guy. I mean, I know he's a hardcore guy. Okay, I get that, but like, I don't see him on a big stage at all. I just can't. Am I? I think, just way out. And here's my you... question of Luther. Luther's been around. Larry, are you ready for this? Is how old Luther is? Are you ready? Fifty, fifty-one. I worked Luther. Around the horn. Luther's been around. And I really think this is just one of those things where he's probably connected to somebody at AEW who's just like, you know what, we're going we're gonna to give him a, a, a little run on television. I think it's, mm-hmm. it's no more complicated than that. Um, mm-hmm. I will say that I think it's good to have Luther for the younger guys because that guy commits, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or should be committed. I mean, just commit <laughs> to that shtick. And uh, I really like the thing that he did with um, John Cruz, where uh, I was wondering where they were going to go with it. And, yeah, I don't think Luther is one of these guys that they're going to sign and feature prominently on television. I certainly hope they don't. I don't begrudge him having a cool little role in, on AEW Dark. Like if they make it like he's the he's the monster, you know, oh, to set yeah. up for somebody else. Yeah, if you want to leave, yeah, leave him on dark. Yeah, okay. I yeah, can do that. but yeah, I agree with you. I can't imagine. I mean, when you've got Lance Archer, and you've got. By the way, I thought Brody Lee in his AEW tenure has not looked better. I think I think Dynamite was good. It was a, it was a reasonable reasonably good promo. And they set up some kind of thing where he doesn't care about the Dark Order guys. <laughs> you know, where it's like he's willing to sacrifice everybody for yeah, himself. He, At least it was, yeah, a, he, he, it was a strong choice, and I like a strong choice. I, so. I did like the – yes, I agree. I did like the, set, the thing of sacrificing uh, poor Mr. Vance there. And, yeah. and, and, for, and, and to set up the pay-per-view, and, and Moxley gets his big – Gets gets a win over him and looks strong. Yeah, that that all was fine. I mean, 
it, to me, it's a low bar, though, for, for Brody Lee on promos. He just has not done it for me at all. And while I like, and I know, you, yeah, you, you like Moxley more than I do. I mean, I like his promos, but I still have a hard time with him as this big, you know, this tough, tough guy, all Steve Austin. It, it just, I just have, I just struggle with it. I'm curious because if that's the main event, and it is, right? They're going to follow this wild brawl between the elite and inner circle. They're going to follow the heavy storyline, emotional angle of Lance Archer and Cody Rhodes. If Moxley, and here's a prediction, if Moxley and Brody Lee can find something different to do in the midst of those two huge matches, um, then they've got a shot. I think it's a real chance for Moxley to show, like, this is why I'm our top guy. And I think it's Brody Lee's chance to show that I can be a main eventer. If you can manage to steal the thunder from those other two matches, and I don't think that they can. Let me put that prediction out there. But if they shock me and they do it, then they've got a real shot at making something happen. So it's a tough spot to be in. I would not want to follow because, you know, Lance Archer and Cody are going to get this great thing. And then they have Tyson giving the belt. So, you know, something's happening with that. And now you've got Jake and Art. I mean, they've got a lot of Gaga. And then you've got the whatever craziness is going to happen with that five on five brawl. And then they got to follow that. That's a tough spot, man. One last thing, and because our, our guest is in the queue, I do say I just oh. I, I enjoy the old school nature of building up a pay per view. You, you know, like the way they the way it used to be done. There's something about that that appeals to me, and I do think they've done yeah, a good job. Man. Yeah, yeah. But um, our guest is uh, our guest awaits. You 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 want to uh, do the intro? Oh, absolutely. And speaking of speaking of good things, uh, this man I've seen him quite a few times with different Florida groups. Um, he's a guy that I've never heard a bad thing spoken about, and he's a proud representative of WXW, the Samoan training school and promotion. This is Chico Adams. How you doing? Living the dream. How about yourself? Yeah, man. <laughs> doing good, man. Doing good. So awesome. how I, I'm just going to start off with a with, uh, a big question, which is how are you pulling all of this off right now? You were part of WrestleMania. You were one of Goldberg security. You were on AEW in a prominent match. You continue to show up in both places. How did you manage to pull this off? Who do you give credit to? Um, ultimately, I give credit to myself. I mean, it's, it's you know, a lot of hard work, dedication. A lot of it is you know, who you know, the connections you make along the way. And like you said, you know, I, I have a good reputation, and that goes a long way. Uh, like, I pride myself on being dependable, uh, respectful, and always doing whatever is needed for me to get to that next level. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a hustler. I don't I don't give up. I, mean, I, I give everything I have every single day. That's awesome. I, I wanted to make sure we spoke about this because I know Larry's going to have a number of questions for you. Um, WXW. So what is the status there? I, I went to the last show. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, and then I got word that 
it was possibly closing. Now, so is it the school that's closed, the promotion that's closed? Um, I know that there's a, like a fundraising effort going on to keep everything open. What's the status with, with all of that? Because it's such a Florida institution for wrestling. So the school is temporarily closed. Uh, we had to move everything out of that, and we're in the process of uh, finding a new building so that we can uh, resume training. So as of right now, the school is closed, but we will be bringing it back once we find a new building. And the, the GoFundMe will help with the fees that are associated with that. So if anyone would like to donate, it's GoFundMe.com slash WXWWrestling. As for the shows, we're just waiting to hear back from the venue. I mean, we're all on board. We all want to do it. We're just, you know, unfortunately, it's not our call. It's, it's up to the, the venue itself. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, Larry, please. Yeah, uh, Chico, it's a pleasure to speak with you. Um, you know, you're. Uh, we were talking right in the opening before before I brought you on about, you know, you're a rare individual who's been at uh, WWE, AEW, and MLW. Um, I wonder if you could just sort of contrast and compare a little bit the ambiance, the mentality of those different places, you know, without saying anything that's going to screw up your career. Sure. Uh, well, that, just to backtrack a little bit, I didn't want to call on sounding arrogant when you asked me, like, uh, you know, who who do I owe credit to? Like, I will say that uh, Afro the Wild Simone has helped me a lot in terms of getting my foot in the door with WWE. Um, he's the one that first, uh, you know, gave my name to them and, and when I first started doing extra work. So he's the one that really helped me a lot with, uh, with WWE. The reason I said it's up to me is because, um, you know, if someone gives you an opportunity, you know, anyone can give you an opportunity, but it's up to you to pull your own weight and make it happen. And, of course, in wrestling, uh, the more uh, respect you show, the harder you work, the more you dedicate yourself, and the better your attitude is, the better your chances are. So that's why I, I entered it the way I did. I don't want to come off sounding like I was un- unappreciative of those who have helped me. Um, oh. But to compare the different ones, so I've done two matches for NXT. Uh, both matches I had were dark matches, meaning they were filmed, but they weren't uh, aired on TV. So the only people that saw it, were the last crowd that was there. Whereas at AEW, it was filmed for national TV, uh, but there was no crowd. So they were both uh, they were both different, but also very similar as well. Uh, in terms of like the backstage atmosphere uh, with AEW, yeah. there wasn't there wasn't a whole lot of people at AEW. Uh, when I went, we only did five matches, and um, I know a couple of the guys worked twice. So there was only a small handful of actual talent there. And then even like people working behind the scenes, there really wasn't a whole lot, so um, it wasn't nearly as, as you know as crazy as you know other places are. For example, uh, when I did uh, my first team match, this was the first NXT after WrestleMania 34, which was in 2018, and this was back when they had like the entire roster there, plus all the coaches and everything. So there was a lot more people uh, running around, and then even now when they filmed for for live TV, of course, when you're filming for live TV versus if something is taped, there's a big difference there as well. So uh, AEW was a little, little bit more laid back. Again, that was only because there were a lot less people there, and also uh, the match that I had was uh, was taped for the following night. So obviously when you're taping for another night, it's a little bit more laid back and a little bit less pressured. But, um, but no, all the companies I've worked for, both WWE 
AEW and also to compare MLW. Um, I have no negative thing to say about any of them. Everyone has always been um, very, you know, respectful, uh, professional, and you know, I'm, I pride myself on, on the pressure. Like, I love when the stakes are raised, you know, whether it's WWE, AEW, MLW. I, just, I always perform better when uh, there's that much pressure there, and that's just the kind of performer that I am. I know for the MLW, uh, uh, at least one of them, you were in Chicago. Do I, am I right about that? Yes. The, uh, when I wrestled, well, I wrestled um, Jacob Fatu and uh, his partner, who has also goes by the name Yamaha Sheik. Um, I wrestled them twice. The first time I wrestled them was at the ECW Arena in Philadelphia, and then the second one was Chicago, and that was the one that you're referring to when he uh, – he moonsaulted me through the stretcher in the Cicero Stadium. Um, being a, a Chicago native, I'm just curious what your thoughts were or he, any about the Chicago-type crowd. It was very, very rowdy. So the match we did in Philadelphia was, you know, the ECW arena. They reacted, but at the same time, Chicago, they reacted on such a different level. Um, that was the first time I'd ever been a part of a riot. And I remember, like, when he moonsaulted me. Wow. Um, yeah, he, he moonsaulted me through the stretcher. And, of course, I'm, I'm laying face down on the mat. And all of a sudden, I, I, I can hear the fans. I can feel the, the heat from the fans. It's rising. And all of a sudden, I feel something on my back. And next thing you know, the ring is just filled with, with you know, garbage and cups, with you know, bottles, all kinds of stuff. I mean, the fans were literally throwing you know, all kinds of stuff into the ring. And uh, I was getting wet with the, with all the different, like, the sodas, the beer, whatever they were throwing. But that was the first time I'd ever been a part of something like that. And I always knew the Chicago fans were on a different level. They're, they're usually more more rabid, more rowdy. Um, but I found out firsthand that night. Yeah, that sounds yeah, like man. Chicago. <laughs> that really does. For sure. I mean, I... I'll be honest, I didn't get much of a chance to, like, um, check out the city or anything because we were all yeah, there, yeah. you know, to do MLW. And then the next day we had to do, like, pre-tapes and things like that. So I didn't get a chance to really explore the city at all. Um, but what I do remember from it, you know, with the Cicero Stadium, from what everyone tells me, that's not exactly the best area to be in. Like, whenever I tell people no, that no, I no. in the Cicero, <laughs> I tell people that. Because people ask you sometimes, like, oh, where, where did you wrestle at? What arena was it? And I'm like, oh, Cicero Stadium. And most people go, oh, that's not exactly the best area to be in. But, again, I know it's my first time being there, so I had nothing to compare it to. And, again, I didn't get a chance to explore. So, for to, me, it was, it was cool. To, to the best of my knowledge, I don't know that any other wrestling had really booked, of any consequence, had booked that Cicero Stadium until MLW did. So, I don't know oh, really? what, what the story was behind them using that facility for wrestling um okay but yeah that's 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 interesting um what was i just curious what was your link up to get into uh, mlw um i won't mention names exactly but um what happened was i used to wrestle i wrestle all over the place but you know again when you wrestle that often for that many years you make uh, contacts and connections and so there was one company i wrestled for for years in orlando it was like my my home company um that, you know, I trained at. This is before I was with the Wild Simones. There was a certain school in Orlando that I trained at, and they had their own company. And the person that used to book for this company um, later on did MLW. So he already knew me from – he had seen me wrestle for years, so he already knew of me. And then um, the big 
pretty much said, hey, if you guys want to, you know, come to the show, like, obviously I've never been under contract with MLW or any other company for that matter. But they said if you guys are uh, willing to, you know, drive, you know, to bring some equipment up for us and you're willing to drive from Orlando to Chicago or to Philadelphia and you help out, help with the ring, do ring crew, we'll, we'll give you a match. So that's how that came about. Nice. Let me pass it back to you, Steve. Yeah, uh, there's something, uh, one of the reasons, Chico, I wanted to have you on so badly is I think that there's something that you've done that may be unique amongst wrestlers in Georgia and Florida. Um, And what that is, is Florida, for those that don't know, um, they've got their own dramas and and -and so-and-so doesn't want to work with so-and-so and all that kind of stuff. And Georgia certainly has that as well. It's probably a universal wrestling thing, right? Right. But you have worked for everybody, like from Atomic, I mean, just groups that are very different. And again, if you're not familiar with Florida, these names may not mean something to you, but to any Florida person, when I say everybody from Atomic to WXW to, like, these are widely different groups that often have people who don't get along with one another, Right. But you managed to it, 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 you managed to stay above the fray ever since I saw you that first time years ago. Is is there somebody who instilled that in you, or is that something that you've just taken upon yourself to go? You know what? I'm not here to like get involved in this petty stuff. Like I don't know how do you manage to stay above all of that petty indie wrestling like tribalism stuff and i've never heard a bad word said about you how how have you managed to do that well thank you i appreciate that well i've been doing this nine years and like my i'll be honest my first few years in the business um i had to find out the hard way you know how to how to act and not act like i've always been uh i've always prided myself on being a very professional respectful person um, my first few years in the business, like, you know, obviously when you're new to the wrestling business, there's certain uh, unspoken rules and traditions and things like that. Like, of course, seeing everyone's hand in the locker room. And um, I was kind of shy when I first started. So there were times where, um, you know, maybe I forgot to shake someone's hand or maybe I didn't shake someone's hand because I didn't want to bother them. And then, of course, you find out the hard way that, hey, that's, that's not how it is. You have to be professional. You have to So basically just through trial and error. I mean, I, I learned the hard way my first couple of years in, and there was times where maybe I was a little too opinionated on, like, Facebook, for example, where I would share my opinion about something. Next thing you know, I would get reamed for it by, by the vets that said, hey, you can't, you can't be doing that. You can't be, you know, the best thing to do is keep your mouth shut, your ears open, and, and you know. So I, I learned a lot from just my first few years in the business and being around, uh, you know, the veterans and then those who came before me, and they learned, you know, what to do and what not to do. So, Basically, yeah, just through trial and error and just through my own, making my own mistakes. And then, um, you know, right now I do, like, Make-A-Wish Foundation. I do anti-bullying. And, of course, a big part of wrestling is being professional because, you know, you're you're always working no matter what, whether it's on social media, whether you're seen out in public. You know, and, and you can make one, one mistake and that can affect your career for the rest of your life. So, um I just have that strong drive. I mean, everyone, everyone says they want to make it, but I really have this uh, insatiable drive to make it that a lot of people probably can't compare to. So I, I use that to just stay on the right track. And uh, I've never been one to party or drink or smoke or anything like that. And wrestling has always been my 
my light at the end of the tunnel. That's that's always the thing that has kept me, you know, down the right path. So, yeah, just through trial and error, through making my own mistakes, but also just having that that burning passion to make it and not wanting to um, do anything to put myself in a bad predicament. You know, wrestling is, is very much, you know, who you know and word of mouth. And if it all it takes is for one bad experience to like a trickle down effect you know if one promoter hears that you have an attitude or that you're you're lazy or that you're not doing this or not doing that i mean you can be screwing yourself up for other companies as well yeah i chico i gather that you're um prefer heel to babyface or that you're usually um more in that role is it true that that's what you prefer and if so why um, well, I've done I've done both. Like one thing people don't realize, like I've had people come up to me, like promoters, and say, "Oh, can, can you be a babyface?" And I'm thinking, I've been babyface plenty of times. I mean, I, both my WWE matches, I was babyface. My MLW matches, I was babyface. I even AEW. Um, for me, I've always preferred being a heel, only because growing up, I always loved the villains. Like I loved watching horror movies when I was younger, like Jason, Freddy, Michael Myers, and then even like Star Wars. I always loved. Darth Vader. I've always preferred the villains. I don't know why. So when I fantasized about being a wrestler when I was a little kid, I always pictured myself being a heel. You know, everyone thinks about being like the big baby face with the, you know, the, the arena's going crazy for you. And I've done that too, but I always just wanted to be a heel. Um, and then when I got to wrestling, I did that initially. But then um, when I switched to a different school, they had me primarily be a baby face for the first couple of years. That's usually how it is. So I do have a lot of experience in both, but for me, I've always found it to be more fun being the heel. That's something that you'll probably hear a lot of other wrestlers say as well. It's so much easier and more fun. Not easier, but it's more fun to get people to hate you than it is to like you. And I feel like I'm naturally good at that. Everyone always says, like, oh, you're, you're such a nice guy, but you know, I, I have that other side to me that, you know, that comes out from time to time. But when I step through the curtain, there it is in full effect. Nice. Nice. Um, Chico, what are some things you would like to, to promote? Um, where can we see you soon enough? I know we're in a really weird time where there aren't a ton of wrestling shows going on, but Florida's starting to open up a little. Is there anything that you'd like to talk about and promote and maybe mention the thing about uh, WXW one more time? Yeah, sure. So uh, WXW, so we're in the process of finding a new building. Once we have a new building set up, once everything gets finalized, we'll be able to move everything in and we'll be able to you know have training again but um when we had to move out of the old building there was some fees that came up to like break the lease and things like that so the gofundme will help those fees and will help uh, help pay for a new building for us to train at so if anyone would like to donate uh, every little bit does help and the gofundme link is gofundme.com slash wxw wrestling and also i'm currently doing a campaign through Make-A-Wish called Wish Heroes. So they, I've been volunteering for a little over three years, and then Make-A-Wish asked me if I wanted to be a part of this new campaign, which I agreed to do. Each Wish Hero uh, vouch is trying to raise $1,600 per person for a grand total of 32000 for each chapter. So right now I'm at $470. The campaign ends on June 8th. And if anyone would like to donate to that, you can just send me a direct message on any of my social media outlets. So, for example, Twitter and Instagram is at the Chico Adams. It's T H E 
C-H-I-C-O-A-D-A-M-S. I'm also on Facebook. I'm approaching the 5,000 limit right now, but if you send me a message, if anyone would like to donate, I'll be more than happy to send you the link. Uh, every little bit does help, whether it's a dollar, $5, $10, it does add up, and it goes towards children with critical illnesses. The reason why we're doing this campaign is because due to COVID-19, around 80 local children have had their wishes postponed which is a pretty big number. So this fundraiser will help ensure that those wishes happen and will help fund future wishes as well. Um, I'm also on YouTube. The link is youtube.com slash Chico Adams BMW. And when it comes to booking inquiries, you can send me a message on any of my social media platforms. Um, if you wish to email me, my email is bookchicoadams at gmail. Tremendous. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for coming on, man. Is there any, any last words you would like to have? Um, yeah, so I was, everyone knows, you know, what happened to, uh, to Shad Gaspard, which is yeah. very tragic. Um, I didn't know him personally. I did met him once back in 2016. Uh, I don't know if you've heard the story about him stopping an armed, armed robbery, but we both worked the same show that night. This was in uh, South Florida, and um, for FEW. So that was the only time I met him. I didn't get a chance to really talk to him. Unfortunately, I shook his hand, but, you know, he was very nice. And then later on, I think it was after the show, he stopped an armed robbery from happening. So that was, just, you know, one of the many times that he showed that he was a true hero. So I know the company Collar and Elbow just had a shirt made for him. It's, uh, I believe the shirt's about $25, but 100% of the proceeds goes directly towards his family. And so yeah. also if, if people aren't able to afford the $25 for a shirt, they're also accepting donations that you can send to collarxelbow at gmail.com, and then they want you to put beast in the message if you're going to send money for a donation. But um, I did post the link on my Facebook, and anyone would like more information on that please send me a message. I'm not affiliated with it in any way. I'm just promoting it for them to help raise money for his family. So if anyone would like more information, just send me a message or contact me on social media, and I'll be more than happy to, to help you out as well. Right on, man. I'm so glad we got to talk to you. Um, just first-class guy and an A-list talent um, please book Chico Adams, and uh, I'm sure we'll be seeing you around here, there, and everywhere. Keep doing your thing, man. Appreciate that. I'll start one last thing. So for the next couple of days for Memorial Day weekend, Pro Wrestling Tees has a 20% off sale if you type in the code MEMORIAL. So my website for Pro Wrestling Tees is prowrestlingtees.com slash Chico Adams. And I currently have three shirts that are available. And, yeah, you get 20% off with the code MEMORIAL. And, yeah, I appreciate any and all support. I realize this is a tough time. I'd rather see people uh, put money towards, you know, Shad's family as well as Make-A-Wish, you know, things like that. Um, But if anyone would like a shirt, I do appreciate that as well. Right on, man. Thank you so much. Best of luck with everything, and I'm sure I'll see you at a show. Absolutely. Thanks for the support, and everyone listening, please continue to support independent wrestling. Thank you. Thank you. Nice. So, uh, Uh, 
Very yeah. nice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, seems like a very normal kind of guy, actually, to be a wrestler. But, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the, him mentioning Gaspard reminded me that you were going to um, had some contact with him and knew of him, you know, knew had some personal experience with him. Did you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. Yeah, I'm going to tell the, uh, the, <laughs> the the rougher stuff in a Patreon video. But um, of course, yeah, I, you know, when I took over WWA four, um, the the trainer before me was Buddy Lee Parker, right? Sarge. And he went to open his own school. He found some money mark that opened up a big old school and he was going to go run that thing. Of course it didn't end up really going well for very long and panning out. But so I was, I went from renting a space in there to being the trainer. And he was one of these guys that Buddy Lee Parker worked with a little bit, but then he was with me. I didn't really know him all that much, but, I was surprised um, when he died, which of course is, it's just awful. Right. Um, I was surprised at the outpouring of love that came out and hearing all of these stories about what, the, what a great guy he was, um, which just goes to show, I mean, cause my encounters with him early were not the most favorable. And so I was really happy in the sense that like, man, it just sounds like he turned it all around. He didn't let, you know, because that, that has broken many people before, right? You, you're not in the WWE anymore. And I was just, it just turned up in my feed today, his premiere in the WWE. It was about 15 years ago. And so, you know, he hasn't been in the WWE in a long time, but he didn't let that break him as a person. On the contrary, he just seemed to become a better and better and better guy. And, of course, as many people have noted, I mean, his last act on earth was basically save my son. And uh, I, I just think about how amazing it is. You know, there's always these debates, like people can't change and blah, blah, blah. I'm here to tell you people can and do and should. And I think he's a prime example of a guy who became, who went from being, um, you know, the great foundation for a pro wrestler, right? He was tall and he was strong and all of that stuff, but became um, not just a great person, but a good man. And uh, what a wonderful legacy to leave, you know, that, the outpouring of love is very genuine. I mean, and I'm, and I, you know, and it coincides with the Owen Hart story on Dark Side of the Ring, and it's and it's apropos in a way of two guys who, in death, the outpouring of affection and love and warm and good stories for both of those guys um, just are just flowing out of people. And it's really lovely to see, you know, we talk a lot about legacy and the importance of legacy in pro wrestling, but there's also the legacy of who you are as a person. And I think in that way alone, Chad Gaspar um, definitely succeeded. And for that, he and his family should be very proud. And it is an absolute tragedy what happened, of course. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, Mr. Platt, this has been a little different, uh, 
recording on a Thursday yeah. afternoon. It's been been a pleasure. Anything else you wanted to touch on before we uh, call it a day? No, you know, I've, I've gone to this thing, uh, and people seem to be enjoying it a great deal, where I'm covering the national shows thoroughly. Yeah. Um, for those yeah. that have asked, um, for Raw, I'm going to watch the show, comment on it in general, and then break down the individual major segments. Um, and I'm going to do that for AEW Dynamite as well. I am not going to do it for other shows because it's very time-consuming, um, but yeah. I, I've decided that those are the two major shows for me. So I'm, I'm going to cover them. Am I still going to cover Georgia Indie Wrestling? Of course I am. Um, but right now there's just not a ton to talk about. So I'll still put out full disclosure as a regular thing. But other than that, I, you know, I want to just keep it going with wrestling. And, yeah, it's been, it's been, uh, it's been a roller coaster. I, you know, I'm always telling people, Larry, you have to reinvent yourself. You have to try new things, that this is an opportunity and I got to practice what I preach. And so that's what I'm doing for those who are wondering why I would do that. It's like, Hey, you know, I got to practice what I preach. I'm going to talk about wrestling such as it is. And right now national ones are the only ones who are running. So that's what I'm going to talk about. Just one word I heard you use in your um, raw um, review that said it all for me, sterile. It just feels so sterile. Mm-hmm. Wait till you hear the AEW Dynamite report, because one thing that I noted, and I have suggested on many occasions, which is this is a time where we want it color and joy. And I think Dynamite gets it. Like they're open where they just have the splashes of color everywhere, the colored lights. They've changed their logo to literally have color on it. And then you flip right. over to NXT, and I compared it to, like, if anybody who knows anything about the theater community, you'll have the main stage, and then you have what's called a black box space, which is literally a black cube of a room where you do experimental stuff or rehearsals. It's a utility room, but it's the lesser space, right? It's not the main stage. And I realized as I was doing the Dynamite Report that's the problem with NXT. It looks like a black box space in the theater. It's literally black and yellow. And, it's, and the way the light works in that room, it just, it just sucks all the life and the light out of that room. And it's yeah. like they're wrestling on a, you know, they could be in a, a darkened platform in the middle of the desert, for all you know. Um, whereas AEW's feels expansive. And, and dirty and messy. Like that Arn Jake segment was messy and it wasn't perfect. <laughs> but you know what it wasn't? It wasn't uninteresting. <laughs> and, it, and, it, and, it wasn't, and it wasn't sterile. And, it, and that's the biggest indictment I can ever give to wrestling. Oh, my God. This is a gutter business from the carnival. It should never feel sterile. <laughs> it should always feel dangerous, you know. So well, and as you said, their 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 competition is all of television, and that just isn't going to what they're presenting just isn't going to cut it. I don't think. Yeah, and I mean, when I looked at the ratings, I mean, and the, and the ratings on Monday, and again, people can debate about how important are ratings. I'll tell you. Um, the one thing you can say about the ratings is they've never been lower and they continue to go down. And the more people predict that, well, this is the bottom. Um, They keep being wrong. 
And as long as they keep running a program, because that, that's the first three-hour raw beginning to end, rooted in tutor that I've watched in a long, long time. And it was excruciating at times. It's yeah, too much. Yeah. It's too much. And for me to have to divide my thing, I mean, my God, for me to div- – I talked for 50, five, zero minutes about Raw, and that was me being – that was me being a skipping stone over stuff. It still took 50 minutes. And then to chop that thing up into what I considered the major segments was 10 different segments. And I'm like, this is death. And then last night, I, and so last night with AEW Dynamite, it was over before I realized it. I was like, oh, wow. And then I'm like, what did we have? And we had six matches and the Arn and Jake segment. Yeah. Very palpable. Like that's, what, you know what that was, Larry? That was a PCW show. That's, that was always my goal. Six matches and, um, and an important talk segment. Right. I, it, who can't sit through that, you know? Um, so anyway, I would encourage, yeah, thank you for bringing that up. Because I, I see these things as teachable moments, not just for indie wrestlers in Georgia or wrestling people in general, but for the companies themselves, like <laughs> I'm just trying to help. Like I, I don't have an agenda except for dude. I, like I'm not saying I know everything. I just know when something isn't working and it would behoove them because nothing that I or anybody else that I see is suggesting costs you money. It's literally a matter of presentation and de- and care and devotion and energy spent in the right direction. That's it. Well, one other thing that that st- stuck out to me from your review was the mention of it feeling like a lot of the stuff is first draft mm-hmm. in, in the writing. Not cool for when you've got – there's no reason for that. I mean um, – I couldn't. I could let, and I mean, I know this is this kind of thing that people say all the time. I could literally let my two kids rewrite all that stuff with the street prophets and the Viking Raiders, and it would be funnier, it would be smarter, and it would actually promote a match between the two of them. Something yeah. that didn't happen. At, if you're going to devote, Larry, five fucking segments to that shit, it better be great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the fact that I mean it was the basketball stuff it it even contradicted its own internal logic, which I know is not what what people care about as much in the wrestling business anymore, but if you can't even keep up your own internal logic. Oh my god. And plus it just it wasn't funny. And I'm it was easy but great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and those guys deserve better. I mean, with the Viking Raiders in particular, because that's that's War Machine, right? From, am I wrong? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're I right. Mean, I mean, War Machine were such badasses. I remember Jeff G. Bailey drooling over those guys when Ring of Honor did a thing, and just, you know, God, how could I manage War Machine? You know, like that, right? And they go from that to being, I, I think it's analogous to when the sheep herders became the bushwhackers, except even though the bushwhackers were jokes, they were over jokes. (laughs) And they probably made more money in that run as the bushwhackers than they did as the sheep herders. But the Viking Raiders, 
I mean, they've cut their balls off for no other discernible purpose other than we don't know what to do with you. And that, and it should never feel, you should always feel like you're in the hands of masters and the WWE is in danger of losing that feeling that they really are the best wrestling company in the world. That's what most people who don't know anything about wrestling would assume. And they're in danger of having that go away. And that's something that you can't get back. Even when the virus stuff blows over you, if you lose the reputation of these are the guys that are synonymous with pro wrestling. If you lose that notion, you've lost everything. That's what their entire empire is built upon. We are pro wrestling. So, yeah. And all the money in the world isn't going to change that. Um, well, enough. Of, I could be, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm horribly negative about WWE, as you know. I just don't, you know, I, I, that's why I'm watching AEW every week and MLW sometimes and rarely watch WWE because I just don't enjoy it. But I hope, you know, you, I, I couldn't agree more with the points you made. I did have Raw on Monday night, and I did, you know, try to watch, but not a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm going to continue to. God help us all. Uh, in fact, after we get off here, Larry, I had a question for you. I had an idea that I wanted to throw past you, but it's probably best not for prying eyes and ears right now. Uh, okay, we'll take it private then. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Larry, anything you would like to bring up now? Uh, no, I think that's that pretty well covers it. I You did mention that I, I, I heard on one of your shows that I'll be going to the um, – Southern Violence and Wrestling, and that's still the plan. It still looks good for nice. me to, to check to check that out. So um, that'll be the, that's the only wrestling I've got, of course, on my agenda since there isn't any other. Yeah, and as I mean I'll keep goes. everybody updated when, as I see groups in Florida sort of jockeying for position to do shows. I think in Florida, unlike Georgia, you have a few groups that are going to attempt to do shows with measures in place, like, like limited seating capacities and that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll mm-hmm. be interested to see how they manage to pull those, at that, those things off. Cool. Anyway, well, I think I'll just, just go ahead and drop this show. Uh, since we were talking about AEW stuff and recent stuff, just go ahead and post it up and uh, then we'll figure out when we're going to come back. Right on. All right. Well, thank you to Chico Adams, our special guest for this episode. For Larry Goodman, and I'm Stephen Platinum. Thank you for joining us for The Tipping Point. We thank you for listening to this broadcast, a production brought to you by the GWH Radio Network. Stay tuned to GeorgiaWrestlingHistory.com for the latest information on upcoming events and more. As always, we thank you for your continued support.